0: At the end of it, I got to love lift us up where we belong, and all I could do was strangle back sobs. And I thought, why do I do this? Why do I give everything of myself away to everyone else and never consider the cost? I I, I knew I wasn't well enough to do that show after a miscarriage, and I went ahead, and I went home, and I thought, I can't be a singer anymore.
1: Genius, it takes a lot to get on my show genius you're probably someone we'd like to know you're really good at stuff you probably like to dance you like long walks and you wear clean pants genius get onto my show howdy folks welcome to living with a genius i'm your host omar crook happy labor day everybody the heat's finally broken let's see it's nine fifteen. it's only 89 degrees in my office so sit back and relax and luxuriate in this new, cool weather we're having. Got a great guest on the show today. Gloria Loring is her name. She had a smash hit in 1986 called "Friends and Lovers." Anybody over 40 would probably recognize the song. Should look it up on iTunes. Actually, we play a little bit in the in the show, so you'll you'll probably recognize it. She also uh, is Alan Thick's ex-wife, mother to Robin Thick and Brennan thick, and uh, what else? She has uh, written a book. She's a published author. She was also uh, a very popular actress for a number of years on Days of Our Lives, and she's just an outstanding person, performer. She's uh, uh, working on an album right now, and she came to the studio right here to my house, sat down across from me, and we had the loveliest conversation I can remember uh having in a while actually gloria is a type of guest that um reminds me why i do this show really i mean uh sitting down with somebody and having a great conversation really gets me excited and this was no exception i also want to thank ted perlman for introducing us uh what else hope you have a nice rest of your week happy monday here's gloria Gloria Loring. Yes. I'm so happy to meet you.
0: Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy to meet you.
1: I um you're here in you, you live in Arrowhead. Do you live in the mountains? Lake
0: Arrowhead? Yep.
1: What took you to Arrowhead?
0: Um I went up there for my husband and I had just gotten married. This yeah. was in
1: 1994.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking about getting away from the heat and the smog and the traffic
1: which we're and, in right now, by the way. Which we're in major. I'm, swe- I'm literally sweating right now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's
0: okay. Um and we said, well, maybe we could move to Ojai or, you know, somewhere near Los Angeles because we had our children here. Sure. This is 20 years ago. And um, I have two sons and he has one son. And um, I came up to Lake Arrowhead for a board of directors retreat for the Juvenile Diabetes Foundation. And I drove into town and it was very hot down the hill. It was over 100 sure. like it, as it is down now.
1: Red Lines or San Bernardino. Uh, yeah. San Bernardino. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And, but up there, it said it was 85 degrees on my LED readout, and I opened the window, and the air felt crisp and cool and smelled like pine cones and apples, and I could see a tiny bit of the lake, and it looked like there were diamonds dancing on the surface of the lake, and I, in that moment, went, oh, I have to live here. (laughs)
1: and I literally
0: two days later when I left town I stopped at a real estate office and said I want to bring my husband up here here's what we need here's our budget here's how many rooms we need we came up we looked at 11 houses in one day and the seventh house is the house we've been in for 20 years that was in 1997
1: and you live there full-time
0: yes we're there full-time well the thing that I noticed was both of us did our creative work in our office studio whatever and then we almost always got on a plane to fly somewhere. Right. My husband's a designer who did the eighty-four Olympics. He did the three tenors at Dodger Stadium and under the Eiffel Tower. Um, you know, he's done massive amounts of design work for everybody. He did mm-hmm. the original set that is still in use for Hollywood Squares, or has you that's the one you see. He designed that. That is so, amazing. Yeah, that's I know. One of my so favorite he's been shows. W- uh, one of
1: my guilty pleasures is to is to go and and look at Paul Lin's um, oh. comebacks the best. I do that probably once a month.
0: Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, it's the best. He's yeah. the best. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um and now you're down in Beverly Hills. You were down in Beverly Hills for a meeting. That's yes. how we set this up. Is yes. there something coming up for you? Something good?
0: Um no, not right now. I'm I'm finishing I, I I know you've been talking to Ted Perlman, my record wonderful musician and record producer, my good buddy. And um, Ted and I are eventually finishing up an album. We started a couple years ago, and we've just con- been doing it in dribs and drabs here and there when he was available and when I was available. And so we're doing that, and I did a play in April that I've just been nominated for um, a Best Actress Award from the Desert Theater League in Palm Springs.
1: Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. What was the play?
0: It was called... Um, uh, okay, no, wait, I'm going back in time. Um, the Lady with All the Answers, and I played Anne Landers. It was a one-woman show, and I had the most fabulous pompadour brunette wig, and the minute I would put it on, my dresser would look at me and say, "Gloria Loring has left the building." <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, do you have a lot of live theater experience? I know that you were on Days of Our Lives. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's well. That's is that a considered film. Li- is that no, considered that, live? No, that's, that's taped. It's it's taped, and you try to get it done in one or two takes. Sure. But you do have the option to go. Oops, excuse me. Can we do another one? Okay. Um, I have some. I did some tours. I did a tour of Anything Goes. I did a tour of um, Stardust, the music of Mitchell Mm Parrish, and starred in those. But, you know, I didn't want to be away. I I was offered at one point to do um, Into the Woods Mm -hmm. for Stephen Sondheim, and I turned it down because my sons were 16 and 18, and it was their last couple years at home. And, um, just before we went on air, we were talking about the importance of kids and family. And I just thought I can never go back. If I go on and it was a year long contract, I will miss my son's final year in high school. I won't be there when he graduates. And I have never regretted that decision. You know, it could have, have led to something else. Yeah. But you know what? I worked lots over these years and I've done a great variety of things and had an amazing life. And, um, And I'd rather be closer to my kids and not have missed those important moments with them. Of
1: course. I did a little bit of research. Um, Your dad was a a trumpeter?
0: Trumpet player with Tommy and Jimmy Dorsey and uh, played with Doc Severtson in the early years in New York. They played in some bands together and sat next to Charlie Shavers and all of that. And my mom was a band singer for a little while. I have a wonderful picture in my book, uh, of eddie fisher holding me as a six-month-old baby he was a young singer and when uh my mom and dad had to go to work he would come over and take care of me he would babysit for oh my me. god isn't that fun that's amazing i know so just, just
1: coincidentally eddie fisher was a neighbor of mine growing up oh for sake. yeah down sakes. on Lido island all right yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's something um and obviously, that was your introduction to music. I mean, music goes around you all the time.
0: Yeah. Um, when I was very young, my mother used to brag that I would get up and perfectly imitate anyone who was on television singing, including Roberta Peters, yes. which, of course, is a little <laughs> far-fetched. But, but I just sang. And a lot like my son, Robin Thick, who just sang sure. in the house all the time, was always listening to music. It was it just the affinity was there. The ear was there. The, right. the will was there. And how about and
1: Alan? Was he a singer as well?
0: Alan did some singing. He wrote mostly a special material music, so he didn't hone his skills as a singer. He didn't study or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But he used his voice mostly to deliver comedy. You right. know, he was he he worked when I met him. He worked for the CBC. Right. He worked for the CBC. Eh. <laughs> 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 um, he was a CPA with the CBC. Really? Eh? No, I'm no, still Okay, All right. <laughs>
1: Now I know that he wrote the, some theme music, Facts of Life, and yeah, uh,
0: I, he and I, he he asked me to work with him on Facts of Life yeah. and Different Strokes, but he he wrote a lot of other ones that for smaller, less successful shows. But Facts of Life is still running, and Different Strokes is still running, and sure. I get you know I get checks for a dollar seventeen from the Philippines, yep, and, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, I get those too. <laughs> it's yeah. been thirty years, you know, so yeah, it adds up. It's I mean, a that's, long time. Yeah,
1: of course. Um, Tell me about this album that you're working on right now with, with Ted.
0: Well, um, we started out by picking three songs. We were going to do sort of a little um, uh, limited, you know, thing to see about getting a deal and whatever. Sure. And they term- one of them a Burt Backrack song, Burt Backrack and Tony O.K., mm-hmm. uh, called Love is Still the Answer, which is really a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. And it's a very good record. And then we got one by Desmond Child, um, The Best of Me. Mm-hmm. Here comes the best of me. It's a it's a wonderful song, and uh, so we did a couple. And then someone asked me if I would write a theme song for their organization, a women's organization called Braveheart. Braveheart Women, and I wrote a song called Rise with Ted. And so we recorded that. Now we had four, and then another one came along, and I said, well, we could record this, and now we're up to nine. Wow, okay. And now just recently we recorded with um, John Durrell, a song of his, and he played piano, and he was with The Ventures. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Wow. And uh, a beautiful song called Safe Harbor. And um, so so it's, it's just grown, and, and some of them I've written, um, other people have written, and... And most of all, I wanted there to be what I called um, motors under all of them. I wanted to all have rhythmic elements that were fun and kind of drew you in. Sure, sure. And uh, Robin and I wrote one of them called Barely Breathing. Which I had recorded before, but Ted took it and completely redid it and made it fresh and new. And Robin did the backgrounds, and then Robin did the backgrounds on another song that I wrote with a friend of mine. Um... So, yeah, it's it's all just kind of grown yeah. over the years. We still need to find, I want to find one more good good song. Like a and,
1: cover or an original? Um,
0: it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Yeah. Does it, it just has to, you know, like a uh, John Durill song, um, Safe Harbor, mm-hmm. I don't think has been recorded. He, uh, he was very excited that somebody wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. So um, we did that recently, and now we're going to add a beautiful cello and some string stuff and keep it very simple. But most of them have wonderful rhythmic elements. One of them was sent to me by a friend who's a publisher, and it's a fellow named Goodman, sorry, Daniel Goodman, Mm -hmm. who's in the U.K. now and wrote this wonderful song, um, Impossibly Beautiful, and it's the kind of song you would sing to a child or to someone you love. Can you sing a little bit? Oh gosh, I haven't sung it, it in a couple of months. Um, it's okay. I don't mean to. Put I can Yeah, I'd have to. Yeah, I'd know. have to refresh it in my memory. Sure. But yeah. Sure. But um,
1: do you prefer do you prefer performing songs like covers or things that are written for you or things that you've written yourself? Do you have a preference?
0: No, I don't have a preference. No. I think whatever song touches my heart, mm-hmm. there. it's like the minute Ted played um, Love is Still the Answer, the backrack Tony O'Kay song, I said, yes, I'm doing that.
1: And nice. the minute
0: he played the John Derrill song, I said, yes, I'm doing that. Now, the minute he played the Desmond Child song, The Best of Me, I said, hmm, sounds like a country song. He said, don't worry, we're going to fix that. Uh- and he changed it completely and made it into sort of a pop, rocky R&B sort of thing. And, you know, so it's it's fun. It's fun to, to discover what a song can become. Sure,
1: sure. Um, I also, uh, in my research, um, well, first of all, before I get into that, I wanted to play for, for my audience the song that, in my opinion, you're most famous for. What do you oh, think, yes, What do you yes. think it's going to be? Friends and Lovers, Friends, yes. Friends and Lovers, yes. yeah. Let's play just a little bit of that here. I don't
0: change if we made love. So I'll
1: be your friend. And I'll Oh, that was a massive
0: hit. It, it was a big hit and, and still gets played. And Carl Anderson uh, was just a joy to work with. What a musician. What a consummate professional and the nicest man. And what a singer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, beautiful that beautiful, tenor beautiful high tenor of his. Mm-hmm. Just, it, He just made it sail, you know, and soar. And yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so what that was that, really sweet.
1: What's it like to have a, a I mean, really, like a smash hit? That it was, was I mean, so exciting. Well, one hit. Yep. okay.
0: Now I have to tell you the story. This yeah. is chapter five in my book. Coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous.
1: Good. I wanted to talk to you. About I that. know. Yes. So this
0: is chapter five. Yes. Is the story about friends and lovers, uh-huh. which we renamed friends and lawyers because there were so many legal problems. <laughs> <laughs> but I was. I came in one morning for some reason. I was having a pity me party, and I called my associate producer, who was my dear friend. And I said, Beth, I'm never gonna have a hit record. I can see it. Everybody thinks of me as a soap opera actress now and they forget that I sang for fifteen years and I did this and I created albums and and she said, Well no wait, 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 wait a minute. How could it happen? As opposed to it can't happen. She said, How could it happen? A great, great exercise. Mm-hmm. And I said, Well, I said the only way would be if I found an amazing song and, you know, if 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 i did it on the show and we have 10 million viewers if they really loved it and they wrote in a lot of letters and we got a big response and maybe we could get a record company interested Mm -hmm. the next morning she called me when i came into work and she said come here i got something i want you to hear and that night she had gone out to dinner with some of the uh staff people on the show some of the producers and Mm -hmm. they were talking about this song that had been sent to the show and they weren't sure what to do with it and she played Mm -hmm. she played what would you think if i told you i've always wanted and i listened to this and by the time it got to the end of the first chorus i turned the tape off it was a tape recorder you know how long ago that is and i said that's a hit song if i ever heard one in my life and i sang it on the show within a week we got letters it became the 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 most it it garnered the most response from the fans of any song ever done on days of our lives and we got a record company interested we released the song it took a year because we had so many legal problems problems with it Mm -hmm. because the fellow who produced the original demo and then did whatever didn't sign the release so atlantic all this stuff and money going out the door yeah every everything it it went out anyway And it became within eight, nine weeks, it was number one in major markets all over the United States. Now Mm -hmm. it was competing with Higher Love, which was a huge, massive hit and a great record. Yeah. But so in some places it was number two and number one, but but it-
1: What was Higher Love? Bring
0: bring me me your higher higher
1: love. love. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Who was that?
0: Bring me your higher love. Uh wait, wait. Uh Winwood.
1: Right, Steve Winwood. Steve Winwood. Right. Yes, okay. yes. That was at the same time. That was at the oh same
0: time. Right. So on the hot one hundred we were number two, but on the AC charts we were number one and we were number one somewhere else. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I had I had my big hit record. Yeah. And and, and once you have one, nobody can ever take that away from you. you and know? did you so spend
1: was, some time touring? With that song, or did that? Sport I I did else a lot of television. I well, see. I was
0: doing Days of Our Lives, right. and I was under contract, so I couldn't do that. Right. So um, yeah, that came out in '85, and then mm-hmm. I left the show in '86. And talk about coincidence! The week I left the show, my first book was um, was uh, released. Uh, Friends and Lovers became number one. Mm-hmm. My divorce became final, and I left Days of Our Lives all in the same week. <laughs> Talk about a gathering of energies, of letting go and and moving on, and wow. all in the same. My first book, and I didn't plan any of this. Friends and Lovers reached number one. Divorce becomes final, and I leave Days of Our Lives all in the same week in September of '86. Uh,
1: did, did you leave the <laughs> Did you leave the show on good terms or was yes it, I did it I
0: I had a contract and we had extended it. And I just got to the point, it's I, the kind of person I find I am. Um, there's a point at which the energy of doing something just leaves. Yes. Um, I did that. I taught yoga for seven years and I had my two classes a week and I had, I called them my yoga bunnies mm-hmm. and I loved all those people so much. And I walked in one night and I looked at all of them with great love and thought, I shouldn't be here anymore. That happens to me too. It, are you, are you like, yeah, you just said, no, this is over now. Yeah. This is. It is I mean, and...
1: I'm known for dragging things out. I think while well, I try and figure it out or, or it takes me a, a little time to gather the courage to uh, admit that to myself.
0: I think, I, I think we all have our own way. I yeah. mean, sometimes we don't realize there's a rumination going on underneath the surface. Um, when I finally left my marriage with Alan, mm-hmm. Alan Thick, mm-hmm. who passed this last December's shock to all of us. I, I absolutely. was so sad
1: to read that and to, and to and, and it was that a good his son man was witness and funny and, the whole and thing. he was I a mean, good oh
0: dad God. and Ugh. you know all of that good stuff. Yeah. Um but when I finally realized that there I I realized that if I stayed there something in me would never recover. Something it, what, in me. I mean
1: was there some what, what was the problem?
0: Um couldn't I couldn't figure out how to make myself heard which was as much
1: oh, i see sure. my
0: uh, you know in in relationships sure. you get into certain uh uh ways of being with each other mm-hmm. and he was the one who was all smart and all and knew everything and he called okay. it uncle al's rules mm-hmm. and i was very timid when i first married him and didn't know who i was if i was if i was on a stage I was Gloria, Gloria mm-hmm. Loring. Mm-hmm. But offstage, I didn't know who I was. You were his wife. I, I was his wife. Right. I was Gloria, Gloria Thick, And right. I didn't know how to make myself heard. And there were some really important things that were gathering storm in me that needed to be heard. And I finally realized one day something shifted. And I realized if I stay here, something in me, the words that came to mind will die. Yeah, push some it, part push of my gonna spirit, something yeah. is going to. And I just suddenly went, okay, that's it. I'm out. I'm out, and mm-hmm. I did that with my yoga class, and mm-hmm. I, I just.
1: You know, it's funny the relationships like that. I've got, uh, I have a theory. I've, I've always thought that in a relationship there, there's some there. Usually, there's a garden and a gardener, and when two gardens are together, you're gonna have a problem.
0: <gasps> yes. One, oh, what a great thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. One is the garden, and one is the gardener. I was and the gardener. No, he was the gardener. Yeah. And there's no. Uh, fault or, or one's not better than the other. It's yeah. just a dynamic that seems to be in our business and the entertainment business. I, I when two well, gardens know, get together boy.
0: It, yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because I saw recently he's on the, that Hollywood medium that mm-hmm. show that's on with that young man who's really enormously intuitively talented mm-hmm. and I saw the episode I actually watched two hours of something else so I could get okay. to it that Alan was on and he had this enormous skepticism, which is perfectly fine, sure. about anything spiritual or intuitive or airy-fairy or whatever those words mm-hmm. are. And I watched him be very, very skeptical when this young man tried to tell him, you need to be careful about your heart. There's something on the male side of your family. And he, without saying it, he was saying, you need to go get yourself checked out. And Alan just kind of sloughed it off. And of course, was w- within four months, was gone. And, and, and he was in
1: good shape. I mean, he Well, he he, kept he, his body he played tennis, shape. he did. Yeah. He did
0: all of those things, but he had an aortic aneurysm which is in the That's American That's how my grandfather died. My friend my yep. friend worked for the American Heart Association. And she said, "Gloria, they call those widowmakers." Yeah.
1: It's a When heart they go, If you don't
0: discover them, yep. they happen and boom, you're gone.
1: My grandfather was the same. He played tennis all the time. He was very fit and he and see, was sitting next to his wife and
0: boom, gone. That was it. And see, I was getting to the point where I needed to explore my, my, i came from a family with alcoholism
1: mm-hmm. there
0: was some uh there were things that happened that shouldn't have happened that were starting to gather a storm in me that i needed to um identify talk about uh fess up to discover name mm-hmm. tell the truth about etc mm-hmm. and that was not alan was just get the work done I don't care what's going on with you just do what you're supposed to do and and I was getting to this I was getting to the puddle place in my life right. I was turning into a puddle and I couldn't make myself heard and so I couldn't I couldn't have stayed in that relationship that relationship served its purpose I would quote about it my darling friend Mar- uh, Valerie Harper who at one point someone said to her uh, she was married to Richard Shawl, and they said aren 't you sad that your marriage failed?" She said, "Oh no, it was a huge success and then it was over and that 's my marriage. Alan taught me so much about taking responsibility, showing up, and doing the work. He was very super responsible about work, and he was you know very male, mm-hmm. concrete, get the stuff done." And i was more touchy-feely and Mm -hmm. well but i don't feel like it and so i needed to learn some of his stuff Mm -hmm. but when it was time for me to have that opportunity for myself um he wasn't ready for that task
1: well it sounds like you outgrew your role that he needed in a wife yeah Uh, i mean i would i don't know this uh but i'd I'd be willing to bet that you both had rough childhoods and that you fit each other like puzzle pieces when you met
0: Interestingly, that his his uh, mother was also an alcoholic, yeah. and my father was an alcoholic. So you fulfilled
1: in him something that he was
0: used to, and, and I vice think versa. We did that beautifully sure. for each other, and we have two amazing sons. And um, you know, so I needed to go off, and I needed to find a spiritual path, and go to the ashram, and go to retreats, and that stuff. If I'd been married to him, and that those. Those journeys that I took into deepening my understanding of what spirit is mm-hmm. uh, changed my life and changed me forever. Um, and now if if I were with Alan, I could have spoken up in a way that he right. could have heard me right but at the time, I couldn't elucidate what I needed. I just knew I needed something more. Isn't that fascinating? Well, and-
1: I mean it's a monumental task to re uh, uh, reassign. Your being once you've been known as something for so long. I mean, yeah. to, to talk somebody into saying, "Look, you need to look at me this way."
0: I'm, I'm a, compl- no. I need to be, and I don't, and I don't, don't know what possible. it is yet, but I need to be an entirely different person now. Right. And I need you to treat me entirely differently. Right. And that just that's wasn't. Yeah. What, what's that great quote about? Women marry men and hope they will change, and men marry women and hope they never will, but they do.
1: Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) Isn't
0: that because you know women always? I'm going to fix him, and I'm going to help him dress better and do this and do that. And men go, oh, don't ever change. Just stay the little sweet (laughs) girl you are. Yeah, Yeah. you know what? It you remind me of the first opera I went to because we are on LA Opera Radio, right? First opera I went to at LA. Um, was um, Lohengrin. Mm-hmm. And I downloaded the entire opera and listened about, all the way through three times and didn't know the wedding march well, that, came that from that. That
1: takes about a week to do. Jeez, well, yeah, I know. I,
0: I, well, I put it in the car and everywhere I drove, <laughs> sure. I listened because I wanted to be familiar yeah, when prepared. certain themes came up. Sure. I was so impressed with the psychological validity of the storyline. Mm -hmm. of her marrying this man and saying, now you have to tell me who you are. Don't you trust me? I'm your wife. And all of that, no, but we agreed that I can never do that. And this whole thing about digging, 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 digging until something disappears. Mm -hmm. And I was, and I'm with a girlfriend. Now, this is the great part of the story. I'm with my darling girlfriend, Cindy, who's at that point been in a relationship for maybe two or three years. Mm -hmm. And she's with this wonderful man. She's still with him 10 years Mm -hmm. later. And, and, but she wants him to say certain things to her and she hasn't even gotten divorced yet. She's separated, legally separated and everything, but, but she wants certain things from him and she's pushing him and he's saying no. And now we're watching Lohengrin where the wife is pushing the husband to say certain things and tell her certain things. And I just and she was sitting right behind me because we couldn't get two seats together. And I turned around and she she just nodded. Her said, "I get it. I get it. Yep, I get it. Just leave it alone." <laughs> but I have enjoyed. I had season tickets for a couple of years because living in uh, Lake Arrowhead two hours away. It's a long drive. Sure. And so my, I had an opera buddy, and now she can't accompany me anymore, so I, I let my season tickets go. But I, I'm missing it. Yeah. I really am missing it. I think, uh, I mean, I've seen some things that just set my hair on fire. Um, S- Sandra Rodnofsky. Yeah. In Tosca. A crazy <gasps> ride. OMG mm-hmm. OMG my friend and I held hands all four hands grasped together with tears streaming down our faces when she sings that wonderful aria about i've given everything for art sure. how could you do this <gasps> <laughs> OMG we we actually came back and saw her concert we had to see her again the singing is just getting Phenomenal. better and better and better and I just want to hug and kiss Placido <laughs> for uh, yeah, what well, he has you're brought not the only one, trust to me. this company. Yeah, I, mean, I know it's
1: amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, 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 he is the kindest, best colleague uh, you could imagine. Even if he, if he were just mm. a a guy holding a broom, if you if you know just if you if he was a nobody, he I would still say, wow, that guy is a great colleague and a super nice. And when man. he
0: did the Due Foscari. Mm-hmm right? Mm-hmm. The two Fuscaris? Yeah, that's when I made my debut. Did you? Yeah. Are you In that one. Yeah. Oh, and he comes out as the Doge, yeah. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah, he's the Amazing. Doge. I mean, the yeah. authority, the presence, The I mean, yeah. and then my other favorite was, I don't think, was it Dewey Foscari? It was another role where he plays a figure like the Doge.
1: Uh, probably Simon Bocanegra.
0: That may be it. And he's on crutches at the end because they're poisoning him. Is that the same? Or is that Foscari? Uh, or
1: was that... I think that was Foscari. I think yeah. that's Fuscardi. Yeah,
0: And they come out and he's like seventy two or seventy-three yeah. years old. Yeah. And they finally they they give him the final push. Yeah. And he crumples to the floor. Yeah. And the whole audience that forget about Foscari. That's our Placido. They the whole audience goes, yeah. huh! I know. You know? And and then when he comes and we're all worried about yeah. Placido. and then he comes out at the end and takes it. We're all like, "Yay, yeah, you're well, okay!" Well,
1: I mean, during the rehearsal process, he would go down like a sack of potatoes, and every night we would gasp with nobody in the theater, just the people on stage thinking, "Oh my, did he like? How did could he, he actually do this just in die? his 70s? Yeah, you know, I don't know. He it's must incredible. have had
0: knee pads on, though. Please yeah, tell I, me. I never.
1: I don't think so. Oh, he's my really God. something.
0: Oh, he's amazing. Have you
1: ever tried singing opera? Is that something that? Oh, you...
0: Oh no, I I didn't have the the training for that, and yeah. Well, no. I mean, I've
1: been listening to you singing all day long on on itunes i i don't know i don't know you may, you could have
0: no no but a a couple of years ago i did something that was a great challenge about three four years ago now the um palm beach pops Mm -hmm. and they wanted me to come down and do the barbara streisand songbook and it took me four months i started four months ahead of time Learning all the, and they didn't have all the arrangements, so we had to have some arrangements written and we had to beg, borrow, and steal and rent and this and that and the other. And but to honor her, sing it with a voice as much like her as I could, because I have different resonances, but to find that place that that dignifies my being on stage singing yeah, how do with Barbara you do Streisand. That? you know what you have to you find within yourself
1: you just live with the music enough well as
0: an example while i was preparing for that i got i contacted the boyfriend i had from the time i was 19 till 23 when i met alan thick and left him overnight to follow alan thick back to toronto that's how powerful the karmic bond was between alan and i there was some stuff there sure and but jim was his name and Jim was still in Florida, and he lived not far from Palm, West Palm Beach, where we were going to be doing some of these concerts. Mm-hmm. And I called him, and I said, how is Celie doing? Now, Celie is his mother, and at the time, she was 95 years old. And I said, I want to come see Seely because I hadn't seen 30, 40, 40 years I hadn't seen Seely. And she called me Jake. I don't. A friend of his named me Jake. Jake, for goodness' sake! And I went. I drove with my girlfriend to his house, to his mom's house. He met me there, and I got to see Celie. And she looked up. She was eating her lunch, and she didn't have very good eyesight or hearing. But she looked up, hadn't seen me in forty years, and looked at me and said, "Oh, Jake, you look so good."
1: Come on, no <laughs> I'm way. I'm
0: serious. I'm serious. And then we put her to bed for her afternoon nap. And she said, Jake, come on, climb in next to me now. And I said, no, sweetheart, it's, it's a narrow bed. I don't want to crowd you. And we just, we sat there and held hands and, and, you know, and so now I got to go back the next night and sing the way we were. And I had seen this man that I thought I had been so in love with, but yeah. obviously it wasn't that much of a bond if I could leave him in literally two days, but uh, the way we were, you know, and it was so sweet to bring my own heart and my own experience to these beautiful that's it. songs. That's how you do it. Yeah, that's how you do it. Yep. You you mine your own life and your own experience because we've all had all of those experiences especially by the time we get to a certain I don't even care if you're 14. Yep. You you had a crush on somebody when you were 11. You know, and you could probably think of the way we were, you know. Sure. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I right in the middle of those concerts and I went back and sang that whole song as if I were singing it to him, you know. Oh, my God. memories like the corners of my mind. You know, just sweet, just sweet, sweet, misty watercolor memories. Sweet, yeah, just oh, sweet, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. What, what's that? There, there's a song uh, where Barbara does this thing. She kind of chuckles her way into the line. She says, "I remember when couldn't wait to." Love oh, you. we did that. There was oh, a, a man gosh. who had
0: won a singing contest down there, Jimmy Barkin, and he joined me on stage. And we did. You don't bring me flowers that is anymore. Just a
1: heartbreaking song. Still I know. To me.
0: And my husband just designed the uh, the second world tour for Neil Diamond, and we went to see him, and he did such a great show. He's, he's just, what he a, puts together a great right? show. Yeah. Have yeah. you
1: ever been on stage with him? People no,
0: no, I haven't. But Ooh. he put on a great show. Great show. Beautifully produced show. You should, you should get
1: show. on that. Boy, that would be great, wouldn't it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, Neil, Neil takes the stage by himself. Boy, oh boy, I guess so. <laughs> but he's got great musicians. And so I that was so. fun. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, what else? What else do you think? What got?
0: else? What else? Oh, I would tell people that. If they're oh, inter- I want to talk about your book. That's yeah, what oh, I forgot. Yes.
1: So uh, I, I read this article about. Uh, I guess it was three or four years ago. You gave an interview about the book and yes. how it was a matter of, of healing for you. And you've already mentioned that your your dad was a drinker and and maybe mm-hmm. it was a, a had a rough go of it for you uh, as a child. Um, and then it also mentioned that you you've already mentioned yoga, but it also said that you meditate. Is that something that you?
0: Well, that's what happened is I got to a point in my life, and it was after Alan and I had parted, and I did an, a, a tour, a singing to concert tour of Australia. It was like six, seven weeks, and I lost my voice because it was just too much. I had a miscarriage in the middle of the tour. I was, oh I was in the God. middle of a second marriage, and I had a miscarriage, and I went in, and they uh, removed the miscarriage. You know, sure. Uh There was no heartbeat, and uh, I went back on stage the next night and i came off stage and i and i i couldn't s- sing i couldn't speak uh, all i could do was cry on and i thought stage. why yeah on stage and oh and at God. the end of it i got to love lift us up where we belong and all i could do was strangle back sobs and i thought why do i do this why do i give everything of myself away to everyone else and never consider the cost i i, I knew i wasn't well enough to do that show after a miscarriage And I went ahead, and I went home, and I thought, I can't be a singer anymore. Because the only reason I sing is to make people love me. And if I don't have a better reason than that, if I can't sing for the love of singing instead of the wanting to
1: Oh, that's that's the uh, wind.
0: That's the wind. Um, That wasn't anybody leaving. um, And I just thought, if I can't sing because I'm loving it, as opposed to trying to make people appreciate me or trying to get something for using people we have that in common yeah and i um i cried every day for four months because i thought i can't be a singer anymore if i can't find a better reason and at one point i sent a prayer up and i said i need to know how to pray i don't know how i don't believe what i was taught and i don't know where you are and i don't know what to do with myself and i'm lost And within a couple of weeks, I was sent a a yoga correspondence course about yoga philosophy. And it spoke in very gentle and gracious terms about the great self that inhabits all of us and that we're all the same and that that divinity dwells within me for me to access. And I went, whoa, this is a whole other kind of approach to this. And and it all came into my life just when I needed it most, in the way I needed it most, because I didn't want dogma. You have to believe it. You can dance, but you can't dance, but you can do this, but you can't say this, but you have to believe this. And I didn't want that. And it actually said in this first yoga lesson I got, we're not asking you to believe anything. We want you to test this out and find through your own experience what is true for you. We will tell you what the teachings are, but now you get to figure it out for yourself. And I thought, this is exactly what I needed. And then I went to a meditation um, program. And in meditation, uh, I had experiences that I recount in the book. Mm -hmm. And then I went to the ashram uh, for four days and had (laughs) mind-blowing experiences. Uh, I experienced infinity um, within me. Uh, within my own consciousness, Uh, you know, so uh, just amazing things, exactly what I needed. And I think divinity, whatever those words are for you, is gracious and benevolent enough to allow us to find it in the way that suits ourselves. That's why there are so many ways up the mountain. And there's a peak of the mountain, there's the most high, uh, but there are many, 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 many paths up there, depending on our own preferences and prejudices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what we some people need to have a punishing way to look at it that I'm right. bad and I need to be you know I need to have the threat yeah. mm-hmm. of whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of us need benevolence and some of us need love and some of us need intellectualism of Buddhism and you know that sort of thing mm-hmm. and and the no thing. Uh, and I think it's so great that we have all these opportunities and once we can see that everybody's doing the best they can, um, there's a great quote I just wrote about in I write a column for soap opera Digest mm-hmm. and it's this quote that says, "Everyone you meet is fighting a battle you have no nothing you know nothing of or something right. like that. You know nothing about uh, be kind be kind That's it. always yeah. yeah. Be like kind always, yeah. and I thought that's 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 my religion. Yeah, to understand to approach everyone with compassion and whoever they are, whatever they've done, you know, we're told to forgive us. We want to be forgiven. Sure. So um, that's what I try to do now. Sure.
1: Let's go back to Australia. Yes. So you had this horrible <gasps> experience yes. on stage. Yes. W- how how did you recover from that as a performer? Did you recover from that as a performer? I mean, eventually I had, you did. You're singing again, obviously. Yes,
0: yes. Well, um, what happened was when I got back from that tour, I think I had one or two. Then I had a night off, and I was able to collect myself and not sob through half of the songs. Well,
1: and, I mean, what did you do on stage? How did you? I mean, I I'm I'm just trying to visual like trying to picture what's happening on stage did you have to talk to the audience and tell them
0: no how i you just handle that? i just got through the songs as best i could and it sounded probably awful and i felt embarrassed and i as if i'd let people down you know because oh, what's more God. important than you're on stage and people have maybe waited years to see I'm you i'm
1: literally like breaking of course out into for sweat. those of us in the industry oh we know
0: what that is we know what that oh. pressure is and somebody will say well she wasn't very good you know
1: oh <laughs> you're, dying. you're not dying knowing
0: inside. not knowing what i'm going yeah. through you know yeah it feels um, like you're dying and it, i went yeah. home and i cried i thought i could never sing again and i went home and i cried every day for for four months every day i cried and so i you got
1: through the, the, the next i read rilke shows.
0: i read a lot of rilke and Rumi, and um I got through the final shows, went home, cried, and I thought, I can never sing again. Was that the end of your touring contract? Yes, that was the end of that. Coincidentally, thankfully. I was at the end of it, yes, and I had maybe one or two shows left. Okay. And I went home, and then when I went to the ashram, um, a number of coincidences that I recount in the book, uh, day after day, coincidences happened. And the the meditation master... um, I was going to go up to her and I was going to say thank you for opening my heart because I'd had an experience where my heart literally exploded like out into the universe mm-hmm. in my chest, and I was nothing but a lump of love. And I was going to go up to, uh, to the chair and just give a little bow and say thank you for opening my heart. And I literally, because everybody was bowing, people who'd been because in in India you bow to the master. Where was
1: the uh, where where was this? Uh, taking it's place? in
0: in uh, South Fallsburg, up in in uh, northern. Uh, New York, upstate New York. And I was going to go and I was going to just give a nice little, I'm not going to get down on my knees. And I, my whole body hit the ground. Like took my, my being took me down to the ground. And all I could do was sob. And I couldn't say a thing. I couldn't say thank you for opening my heart. And I, I gathered myself off the floor like a limp dish rag and started to turn to go. And someone said, and I had a little badge on with my name on it. And someone said, "Gloria, oh, you're from Los Angeles. What do you do?" And I said, "Oh, um, 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 I, I'm a singer."
1: <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I said, "I'm a singer," and
0: he said, "Oh, that's precious." Well, well, I don't want to say her name, but the guru would would like you to have this. And she handed me a um, a necklace of rose quartz. And I remembered someone once telling me that rose quartz is the uh, crystal for opening the heart and I was going to say thank you for opening my heart and I was given a rose quartz necklace and I'm all excited and I turn to go and I walk away about 10 steps and someone comes and taps me on this shoulder and said you're a singer and I said yeah, y- yeah. and I said we would like you to sing for us now I hadn't sung in four months what am I gonna sing how am I gonna sound but instead of worrying about any of that For maybe the first time in my life, I sang out of pure gratitude.
1: And not what are they going to think of me? What
0: not? I gave gave it as a pure gift, Mm -hmm. pure gratitude. Here it is. It was an offering. It was a blessing Mm -hmm. for me to be asked Mm -hmm. and a blessing for me to be able to do it. And that changed everything. And now I could sing again. And I had said, I need to find a reason to sing that isn't because I need something from other people.
1: Yeah. Did you start singing with the hopes that your dad would love you? Was that... Was that the it? I don't of it? know.
0: Isn't that funny? I don't know. Well, I sang because I got attention.
1: Yeah. And Positive because there attention. was a,
0: there was a yeah. certain amount of chaos in the house because I didn't know that my dad was drinking and my mother would throw pots and pans because my dad was drinking. Mm-hmm. And you know, but when I sang, everybody was happy. Maybe I don't know. Are you uh, an only child? No, I have two younger sisters. Well, I have one left. My my uh, middle, my youngest sister, Peggy, passed five years ago. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. But she she did left. they sing as well. Um, Peggy sang in the church choir Pat dabbled with a little bit of singing for a while, there's music in the family My
1: question is how did they deal with moving forward in their lives I mean you obviously chose music Yeah
0: Um, Both of them went into marketing and communications, we're Hmm. all communicators Mm -hmm. in one way or another Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. Peggy was in Hispanic advertising and Mm -hmm. had an agency with her husband and Pat was in marketing, yeah
1: the only reason I'm asking such intimate questions is, is I, I had a similar experience. My father wasn't an alcoholic, but he was a philanderer, and he he kicked my mom and I out of the house when I was four oh. by having factory workers throw boxes into the front yard. <gasps> um, and I chose music. Actually well, you, music, ne-
0: you never recover from that no, as a child. No, music chose
1: me for the same reason, though. Yes. I, it was easy, number yes. one. I could... Like like that, I could do it at a very high level, and it gave me status, and it yes. gave me attention. It That's gave what me it importance. gave me:
0: status and attention. Yes,
1: yeah. importance. Uh, it gave me uh, envy from other people.
0: Yes. How interesting! You're uh, saying all the things that are true for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, thank you for sharing uh, those yeah. things with me. I know I, I, hard, I hardly know you, so well. Thank but you. don't
0: we? I mean, we all want to be valued. We yeah. want to be loved, we want to be valued, and we want to be safe. And I wasn't safe for a long, long time until I finally recaptured that for myself. Um, I didn't feel valued unless people val- told me or exhibited in some way that they valued me. And I didn't love myself. <clears throat> so love was always conditional, and I had to earn it. That's you know, it. so all of those things. So, you know, I-, I was talking to someone. I still
1: struggle with that, actually. Oh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, when you get to my age, it'll be easier. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to wait
1: three years? What do you
0: mean? <laughs> That's funny.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh, I, how... Uh, now, I've, because of my childhood, I don't know if I overcompensate with my kids, but I'm very, very aware of how they're going to remember me. And that, in some mm. ways, shapes the way I treat them. I try and treat them with as much love and care and compassion to show them self-worth, mm-hmm. to show them that I think they're worth something. Mm-hmm. Was that something that was in the back of your mind, raising your kids because of your experience? Or were you not, were you still in the woods?
0: I, I was still in the woods. Yeah. <clears throat> I was still in the woods. It it wasn't until my kids were late teenagers that I started to come to grips with things that I I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what it was. Sure. And, um, so it it was later on, but I, I did, I did try to learn and be the best person I could be. I, you have to, my kids, I, I save all their mother's day cards because as for deficient as I feel as every mother feels she probably was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my kids send me, you're the best mom in the whole world. Well, thank you. I don't think so, but thank you so much. You know,
1: (laughs) have you had those, like come to Jesus talks with your kids where you lay it out?
0: um i did with brennan long ago yeah Yeah. but no i think we're we're all good yeah and i think also losing their dad this last december was such a shock to them because you know we all thought oh we had at least 15 more years i mean his stepfather is 87 and still going you know um so uh, and and we'll see you know i mean i i've made a concerted effort to take very, very good care of myself all these years.
1: And you and Alan had a good relationship after the divorce?
0: We did. It it took a while, Mm -hmm. but he did a very gracious and generous thing, which was so attuned to him. He sent me a card. Um, I'm trying to think. We divorced. The divorce became final in 86, and I'm thinking it was about 90 or 91. He sent me a card that I received on my birthday, apologizing for any ways he had ever hurt me, and that he only remembered the beauty and the good times, and I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed, and it—it it was like everything that that I thought hadn't been or could have been was healed yeah. in that moment. So and that he you're gave not me, crazy. Yeah, he gave right. me he gave me a great gift, and and I was enormously grateful. And that that just shows what what a good person he was. You know, there mm-hmm. were any relationship. It's fifty fifty. You know, I mean, and, and we specifically, I think, get involved with people because they're going to push our buttons. Mm-hmm. And so we can it like wear down our edges, you know, like we have sharp edges. And mm-hmm. what do you mean? You know, mm-hmm. and then eventually we go, what do you mean? Enough times and we go, OK, what do you mean? Right, right. <laughs> we finally go, OK, enough of that. We go, OK, wh- OK, tell me what you mean. OK, right. I don't want to fight anymore about this. You know, and then we you f-
1: get to not caring about what they mean. And yeah, or or you, or you just go,
0: okay, this is uh, just a thing we do. We do this dance. And you know, my husband said something to me the other day and there was a time early in our marriage 20 years ago when I would have said, "Excuse me? What?" And and I just went, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten so much better at, "Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just okay." Because why why battle it? It's going to be gone in a minute and a half. And in three days, I'm going to forget what he said to me. I'm just going to forget that. I remember that I wanted to battle and that we had, a, and what did we fight about? I have no that's idea it. what we thought about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I fought, it's taken me all this time to learn that just, just I takes think being say,
1: a parent. I mean, I'm, I'm an old dad. I'm 47 and I've got a one and a half year old. And, uh, that's a whole nother story. Uh, but what it has taught me is that you do pick your battles. And that not every single thing is as important as the next. I mean Yeah, absolutely. You know, having but them how, walk out into the street, that's important.
0: Yeah, that's important. that's worth fighting for. That's no, right. and I remember reading a book when my boys were teenagers and it said you have to pick your battles. Yes. You can't fight about everything, because they're gonna challenge you on every single thing. And so at one point Brennan wanted to dye his hair blonde and perm it, I think, and he wanted to get his ears pierced. And I said, Oh, okay. Right. I don't agree with you, but you know what? Okay. I said, are you sure you have to do this? He says, Mom, I'm a teenager. And teenagers are supposed to experiment with the way they look to see how they want to be- present themselves. Well, and I said, it's a good you know already, what? Yeah, that's very true. i tell you what. <laughs> let's do this. Let's do us three things. Take care of your diabetes, because Brendan has diabetes since he was four have some manners say please and thank you and do your homework if you'll you'll do those three things you can do whatever you want with your ears and your hair i'm not going to fight you on it
1: whoa that i mean that's good negotiating yeah. you got a, You really got the better end of the deal now.
0: well this book helped me fi- pick your battles yeah. I was going to you know wrestle him to the mat, mat over what he did with his hair and of course the funny thing was he got his ears pierced and he went to school and they said no ear piercing here you have to take him out and he came home complaining about having his constitutional rights abridged <laughs>
1: <laughs> well you got a lot out of him for those earrings I'll tell you what man Let's. Uh, I want to wrap this up with what you're sure. recording. Uh, so you've got nine songs.
0: Yes. In the can. Yes.
1: Maybe three or four more.
0: Maybe maybe one or two more. And when are I you think thinking we're...
1: this album's going to be released? And how's how are you going to do that?
0: You know, that's the thing I don't know yet. Okay. I have to wait. I mean, the market is so flooded, and but i but i feel like that this may be my final recording that this may you know i don't know that i'm going to start a, another project at this stage i want more time i've been working for 50 years i started as a young teenager i want more time with my family i don't want it to. i want to if robin calls us we've got to go out of town can you come and spend two days with julian i want to say yes i'm there yeah. i mean this that's this time of my life yeah is to deepen those connections. So we'll see. Ted has a lot of ideas. And uh, we'll put it up on iTunes. You know, I'll print a certain number of copies. I'll send out my Facebook. I got my 5,000 Facebook followers or whatever they right. are. 7,000, whatever it is. Right. I'll send it all out to them. And I'll do some interviews. And we'll play the music. And we'll see who's interested. And
1: Speaking of interviews, when you get close to that point, I would love to have you back on the show. Okay, that would be fun. I've got another hour two hours of questions i've got for you okay that sounds good
0: that sounds good
1: thank you for coming
0: oh thank you so much
1: well there you have it folks the indomitable gloria loring thank you so much gloria for being on the show i hope you enjoyed the interview i sure did uh today's show was produced and hosted by yours truly with help from my friend ted perlman thank you ted for introducing me to gloria You were a great guest, and so was your friend. I look forward to meeting more of your interesting friends and having them on the show. Original theme music was composed and performed by myself, produced and orchestrated by the terrific Greg Geiger. Visit him at LAClassical.com. Tell him I said hi. And if you like the show, above all, please take 30 seconds to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. And you know what? It makes a big difference. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Remember to always be kind to one another. Really good and until stuff, next you time.